I think it's really going to push Mo's resolve with his conservative approach uh, to deals and things and not overextending himself because in a way you're going to be tasked with maybe maybe you need to overextend on one deal and then be a little bit more conservative on another to kind of make up for that to make sure you get your guy because we have to get a guy. Welcome to Broadway and Clark, a baseball podcast with two St. Louis Cardinals fans talking about the Cardinals along with other broader baseball topics. I'm your host, Duncan, along with my co-host, Mark. We'll get into the weeds on players, roster construction, baseball philosophy, and the exciting baseball topics of the day. As a great voice in the game, Sarah Lang says, baseball is the best, so come have a seat with us on the bleachers and have a little fun talking about the best game out there. Another another uh, opportunity to get together and talk about the state of Major League Baseball, especially as we are rounding into the home stretch of the pennant races. How are you doing tonight, Duncan? I'm doing good, doing good. Getting over a little cold. Got to have uh, always got to be a little sick after uh, your son starts school uh, and they bring home all the the good wonderful germs from uh, all the other uh, grade school kids as well but overall doing really well excited to talk a little baseball it's always a good time absolutely i uh i want to kick us off if i can jump right in and just get a state you know just get a snapshot a state of the races we talked uh, about 10 days ago when most teams had, you know, 30 plus games left. Now we're down to the last uh, between 20 and I guess there's still a few teams with 23 left. Uh, Those teams for the most part are playing, you know, almost every day between now and I think the 2nd of October, the 1st of October is the last day of the season. I haven't looked, but um, really there's only, there's two interesting things happening. Let's start with the American League. In the American League, uh, the Orioles um, almost certainly are going to have the best record uh, unless somehow Tampa catches them. But both teams over the last 10 games are 7-3, and three, uh, which is better than really the rest of the playoff uh, teams in the American League, uh, with the exception of the Astros, who also have, are seven and three, and have snuck back into first place in the West. So Houston um, is a game up on uh, the Mariners, and the Mariners are a game and a half up, uh, are a game and a half clear in the wild card, two games ahead of Texas. So you got. You got Houston and then a game back Seattle and then three back Texas. So those three teams, anything can happen. And Texas right now is a half a game out of the wild card because Toronto has the last wild card. Uh, They're six and four over the last 10. 
and uh, Texas has been tanking a little bit. They're three and seven, and I think over like the last thirty, uh, they're a good eight to ten games under five hundred. So they've been struggling for a while now, but they're still yeah. within half a game of the of the wild card, and um, they're only uh, two and a half games, or I'm sorry, three games out of uh, first place in in their division. So. I but here's the thing with the three games. Like you mentioned, they're only only three games out, but that three games is looking like six or seven games with the way that their last month has been going. So I think things are getting a little uh, a little antsy over uh, over in, in the Dallas area, uh, I would say, especially after, oops, sweep week just happened. Houston just swept Texas. So um, that was... Uh, definitely a, a pivotal series that reshaped the West too, and we talked about Seattle surging uh, last episode and everything, or a couple episodes ago, and they're still right there, you know, two and a half ahead of Texas. So uh, the Rangers better figure something out uh, to get themselves uh, into a good spot and and not miss out miss out on the playoffs altogether. Well, that's that's a great point, and they couldn't be taking better medicine because this weekend they've got uh, the Oakland Athletics coming to visit with their worst record in baseball. That helps a little bit. Unfortunately for them, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, who they trail by half a game, and Toronto, of course, is hanging on by its fingertips. Uh, they have the Kansas City Chiefs or the Kansas City Royals. Pardon me, the Chiefs playing football tonight. <laughs> Kansas City Royals coming to town, so it's going to be a very interesting weekend. You know, it could. I mean, literally, the Athletics or Royals stealing a game on the road could. You know, ha- I mean, will have a major. You know, potentially could have a major impact uh, on the wild card race. The uh, I didn't mention the Rays. They're eight games up or eight games clear in the wild card. They're a lock. Like I said, they're three and a half games behind the Orioles with, uh, you know, 20, 21 games left. Probably not going to catch them. Uh, Baltimore's probably going to go ahead and finish the season with the best record in the AL. And, uh, but Tampa in any other division in baseball, you know, I mean, obviously other than against the Braves and Dodgers, uh, would be right there as well. So either way, Tampa's in Baltimore's in and Minnesota is now six up on the guardians who were not able over. I think they played seven against the twins and went either three and four or four and three. So they weren't able to make any headway. And now they trail by six. Like we said, with, uh, you know, anywhere from 22 to 23 games left, can't see any way for them to catch them. Uh, just for interest, Baltimore plays, uh, in Boston this weekend, Houston, uh, you know, as the, the teams that really matter. So you got uh, Houston, Seattle, and Texas, because two of those three teams are making the playoffs at least. And obviously, oh, if yeah. you're an AL West fan, all three of them want to get in there, and they want to send Toronto, um, you know, to the golf course early. So we've got, although I guess Toronto would have to travel south to play golf in October, November. <laughs> but they can just um, go to their spring training facilities in Dunedin. Right, exactly. And the fall, all of a sudden, guys are volunteering for the fall league. 
But um, yeah, they uh, uh, Houston's um, uh, welcomes the Padres, who have an opportunity to play a little bit of spoiler. And, uh, you know, Tampa plays Seattle. So Seattle, who's trying to hold on and potentially even get back, they're five and five over their last 10. So they were hot as a firecracker. And now they've just kind of leveled off a little. They could really make some hay if they could win, say, two out of three against the Rays over the weekend. And if the Padres could come into Houston and do a little damage, I honestly believe it's probably going to finish exactly the way it is. Uh, I wouldn't venture any kind of guess between Toronto and Texas. I think Seattle has been solid. And, you know, like I said, if they can get two out of three in Tampa, uh, I think they pretty much lock up a wild card. But, you know, anything can happen. I mean, and so really the AL West, just like it was, you know, two weeks ago is, is the most interesting by far division race in baseball. And it's got massive uh, playoff implications. So four teams for or three teams for two spots, essentially four teams. If you count Houston for three spots, the American league West division and then the two, the last two wild cards in the American League. And, of course, all that's important because if you win the division, uh, now you've got a buy, right? Don't you get a buy that first uh, series? I know we talked about this before. I keep forgetting the, how it works. It would be top two records, so top two division leading yeah, records. So, so, so you, right now it would be Baltimore and Houston. Yeah, so the, the, the AL West winner is, I mean, any of them are going to have a better record than the Twins. And so, I mean, unless something crazy happens over the last 20 right. games. <laughs> so the, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. The, um, uh, the you know, Houston, Seattle, and Texas, it's just going to come down to that last week of the season. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk again between now and then at least once, probably twice. And, um, and we'll, we'll revisit it. So, so that's what's going on in the American league. Now we quickly flip over the national league and the top two teams are still the top two teams. So it may not matter what happens with the other uh, four qualifiers, but uh, the, the uh, Braves and the Dodgers, um, and then the Brewers lead the uh, Central. We'll talk about them in more detail. But the Braves and Dodgers are uh, 13 and a half and 13 games up, respectively, in their individual divisions. Um, Atlanta has got a pretty good lock on the best record in the league. Um, although Dodgers had been on a, they had, I think, a 24 and five or something like that. August, they're only five and five in their last 10 Houston, six and four. Uh, Philly is almost a lock. They're not quite the lock that Tampa is, but they're five clear in the wild card. So they're basically a lock. Uh, they're six and four over their last 10, the Cubbies, um, are uh, three and a half up in the wild card. So they're almost certainly in. I mean, I guess there's a potential that that doesn't happen. But they have, they're they they're more in more of a race for the division crown than they are uh, in, you know, danger of falling out of the playoffs. 
and they're absolutely also, wild to think yeah, about. Yeah, and they're seven and three in their last ten. And right now, so really, there's fourteen. If if we assume the Cubs hang on, and I think it's a relatively safe assumption, um, then you got four teams for one spot. And the team on the outside kind of looking in are the Giants, who have done themselves no favors by going three and seven over the last ten. They're two and a half back of, uh, you know, the Marlins who currently enjoy that third wild card. Uh, but they're only a half a game ahead of both the Diamondbacks, who I think were in the wild card last time we talked, and the Reds. Uh, the Diamondbacks haven't done much better than the Giants. They're four and six in their last 10. And then the Reds are right there, um, just a little bit better at five and five. So those four teams, Miami being the hottest of them, are fighting really for that last spot. Uh, just just for interest, um, Atlanta plays the – they're playing the Cardinals tonight, probably going to win. Uh, Adam Wainwright being frustrated again. But the, uh, the, um, the Braves are uh, hosting the Pirates this weekend. The Dodgers are in the nation's capital uh, at the Nationals. Uh, the Brewers – and the Cubs, that's another, you know, relatively interesting race. Uh, the Brewers, five and five, as I mentioned, the uh, Cubs, seven and three. So the Cubs made up two games in the last 10. They're only a game and a half back of Milwaukee. And I know we've already mentioned they play each other in the last series of the year. Uh, the Brewers are in the Big Apple against the Hated Yankees. And the Cubbies have the Diamondbacks coming to town. So Arizona can help its own cause quite a bit by trying to do a little damage against Chicago in Chicago. Uh, that should be an interesting, that's probably one of the better series of the weekend. Obviously the Seattle-Tampa series, very good series this weekend. And then Miami uh, can hope that the Phillies are cruising and you know, they can go into Philadelphia and maybe get a little of that brotherly love they need. So we'll see on that. That's also a good series. Um, Cincinnati uh, welcomes the hapless St. Louis Cardinals to town. So you got to figure they're going to win at least two or three. And uh, San Francisco, much like uh, both Texas and Toronto, um, drew a nice uh, draw with uh, the Colorado Rockies coming to uh, to the Bay Area, so it's uh, it's it's shaping up to be a nice weekend of baseball, and uh, you know, really, we're down to as it should be this time of year. Even with the expanded wild cards and all this other stuff we do, you really have one crazy interesting division race and then you have one that's mildly interesting in the nl central with the brewers and the cubs but the nl wild card especially for that last spot four teams for one spot uh three of them separated by a half game is going to be a lot of fun 
Oh yeah, I totally agree. And one thing is, I was looking at uh, some of the, a couple of the division races. Never uh, thought that I would compare these two teams, but you almost look at um, Tampa and the Cubs in a somewhat similar situations where they're relatively comfortable in the wild card standings. Tampa Bay more so than the Cubs are. Uh, however, they are still in the division race. Cubs a little bit more so than the Rays um, in that regard. So you could look at that and say, especially in Tampa's situation, they could just kind of, you know, mail it in in, in some regards for the rest of the season, rest up some guys, get your rotation in order. That's a little bit more in a couple of weeks once you really start getting um, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with the end of the season. But um, they could, you know, go that route. But you kind of touched on it a little bit looking at the playoff picture. Uh, Baltimore, being the division leader and the best record in the league, uh, is going to be one of the top two seeds, therefore getting that bye uh, out of that short three-game series in that wild-card round. Um, and so if, if the Rays end up in second place and you know stay comfortable in that top spot of the wild-card there, um, they would be in that shorter series, and do they want to risk that? Uh, I wouldn't think so, but so I feel like that gives them somewhat of some extra incentive to go that little extra bit in those 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth innings of games to really try to squeak out a couple of them here or there to try to uh, maybe take the division from the O's uh, and therefore get that by. Um, maybe that benefits them going into the playoffs and keeps them sharp. Uh, versus a team um, like the Twins, for example, where they're getting into the playoffs regardless, for example, um, and they're going to be in the the wild card series anyways. But um, they maybe they lose some of that competitive edge, and same kind of thing for the Cubs, kind of a thing. So um, they're in a comfortable, somewhat uh, spot as far as the wild card, pretty good spot to make the playoffs, uh, but they still have a chance to. Um, win the division that wouldn't give them a buy or anything like that, but it could affect matchups or anything like that. They would probably still want to win the division regardless, but I think that point uh, bears out a little bit more for the the Rays in their situation and, and being able to get that buy. But something that I was just thinking about when you were going through that to kind of keep an eye out as we approach the end of the season and what that might do for the Rays. Uh, heading into the playoffs and how that might affect them uh, in their first series, especially. No, that's a great point. And uh, what's really important about that, especially in the case of the Cubbies, because they are uh, further behind the Phillies. Well, they're, I guess they're the same. They're the same distance behind the Phillies that they are the Brewers, if I'm not mistaken. And that if they finish in the second wild card, then they have to go on the road. And as it stands tonight, Mm. it would be to Philly. And then as it also currently stands, Milwaukee would host the Marlins. So, you know, Milwaukee is not, I mean, there's (laughs) LA and Atlanta are so far out in front that the Brewers are playing in the three-game series. And just as you mentioned a minute right. ago, so would the Cubs if they won the division. The only difference is the Cubs would then host, and they'd host the third wild card, 
Here's a couple of interesting thoughts. Either if the Reds get that third wild card, they either go to they would either go to Milwaukee or Chicago. Um and then the if I guess if they even caught the Cubs, they could potentially go to Philly. So if you're Cincy and it's coming down to the last week of the season, I mean, theoretically, you're still going to have the Diamondbacks breathing down your neck. But if you had any opportunity, say there's two games left in the season and you got a two-game lead on Arizona, and you know, you've got a shot at getting that second wild card, maybe you're a game behind the Cubs and two ahead of Arizona, what do you do? Do you say to yourself, I'd rather go into Milwaukee. I feel like we play pretty well there. You know, we know them, division rival. Or do I want to go, do I want to go for it and then have to go to Philly and make the Chicago Cubs go to Milwaukee? So it's it's I mean, that last week and that's what this the wild card has done. And and you know, that's and like a team like San Francisco. Any other year, I mean, they're in third place in their division. They wouldn't even be thinking about the playoffs. But here they got a shot. And, you know, again, the Cardinals, the Rockies, the Athletics, the Royals, four teams that, you know, have been sorry about their season since before the All-Star break have a chance to make a difference this weekend. And, you know, that's the beauty of the 162 because those games that, you know, Chicago lost in April or, you know, Tampa won in May, those all mean something in September. And so will this weekend. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens over the weekend. Uh, we may get a little more clarity, but if I had to guess, that American League West is going to go down to the last se- last series of the season. And next time we meet, I'll make sure uh, I'm on top of those last series matchups because it won't surprise me if a couple of those, you know, like if either Houston's playing Texas or Seattle or the Mariners and the uh, and the uh, Rangers are playing. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, like I said last time, no pressure on us as Cardinals fans. Uh, we're not anywhere near any of this. And it's a weird position to be in. It's been a long time. Uh, and, uh, you know, but it's kind of fun. It's, uh, I mean, I obviously would prefer the alternative. Would love to be talking about our position and who we might be playing and so on and so forth. Uh, I mean, without going crazy, I think it's fairly safe to say Dodgers and Braves in the National League Championship Series are, you know, they're certainly not a lock. See Philly, see Washington, see a bunch of teams over the last decade. But uh, the Dodgers and Braves in the National League Championship. And uh, maybe, you know, a newcomer in the American League Championship Series, the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, And who knows? Maybe a division. Maybe a division final with uh, Tampa. Who knows, right? So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, uh, it doesn't mean as much now that we're in August or September, excuse me. Uh, But uh, I'm feeling... A little uh, Braves rave, 
Braves Rays uh, World Series this year. Just just something about it. A little southeast action. The rest of the country could care less if you don't live <laughs> south of the Mason Dixon and east of uh, east of Birmingham. You just don't care. Is that what we're saying? And a little bit, <laughs> unless you're Ken Rosenthal, then you always care. Then you always care. Love Kenny. That's a good point. That's a great point. Just heard an interesting conversation about uh, where the, all the players are going. Uh, you know, how things are going, how, how everybody's rounding out their seasons. Uh, little Freddie Freeman late surge toward, uh, you know, potentially throwing his name, you know, his hat in the ring for the NL MVP. Uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, youngsters. Some of the American League youngsters are really rounding out uh, their first or second seasons and establishing themselves as top, you know, 10, 15 players in that league. So maybe next time we'll, uh, we'll do a little deeper dive on uh, kind of the state of the award season and, you know, who the real favorites and uh, you know, what needs to happen maybe in the last 10 days. You know, I think you're looking at Mookie, uh, Ronald and I think Freddie's got an argument now in the NL. Maybe a, you know, maybe Matt Olson hits ten homers in his last twenty games, and we can't deny him. Uh, and and then in the American League, uh, you know, did Shohei do enough through five months? Kind of like we talked about last time with Goldie last year, where you just can't catch him. He can't be caught, you know. Uh, there's a couple of guys that maybe have an argument, um, but he's, you know, he was way out front for a long time. So, and he's still hitting. Uh, I think he's still playing, you know, at least two out of every three games. So we'll see. Yeah, injured right now, but uh, but yeah, still hitting for the most part, and uh, just should be interesting to see what he can do for the rest of the season, uh, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Sure. Well, and along that line, we've got a real need here in St. Louis based on our uh, 2023 season for starting pitching. Now, we know that we made a decision. Well, you and I didn't make it, but uh, I guess John Mozalek and the rest of the Cardinals brass made the decision to – you know, jettison a couple of our starters. Uh, you could argue two of our three best starters, certainly. Uh, Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty at the trade deadline. Um, uh, Miles Miklas, by the way, has started 30 games this season, more than anybody else in MLB. I mean, there's there's a number of guys at 29 and, you know, that'll catch them. But uh, started the most games in in the uh, MLB right now. I think he's got 171 innings pitched, and that's probably eighth or ninth. Uh, guys like uh, Logan Webb and 
you know, some of the other Snell, of course, and some of the other uh, real studs of the year um, have, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, not DeGrom, uh, who's the guy in the American League who's trying to get his first Cy Young? How it's just his name's escaping me. But um, you know those guys have a few more innings pitched because they average if a little bit more. You know, half a, you know two thirds or an inning more per start, so they're a little bit ahead of Miles. But uh, Miles quietly, you know, having a very solid being who he is season. Uh, but we gave up, uh, on Flaherty and cause we knew he's afraid both, both Flaherty and Montgomery are free agents. And in the case of Baltimore, they're trying to win a world series for the first time in a number of years. Um, and in the case, uh, I mean, same thing for the Rangers, right? I mean, the Rangers were there with it basically in their hands, uh, 12 years ago. Uh, until a gentleman by the name of David Freeze had something to say about that. But, oops. Um, oops. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> good memories. But, uh, uh, you know, the Orioles, like I said, it's been a while. So uh, we need, and, you know, we've talked about this on this pod. We've talked about it offline many times. Uh, with ourselves and other people, like-minded Cardinals fans. Uh, you can find it on uh, X anytime you want. If you want you want to do a deep dive on what the Cardinal faithful thinks about our pitching staff and what we need, very much uh, plenty of content available there. But we need two, and we need two better than Miles. Right. So we need two guys that would be considered top of the rotation type pitchers, ones or twos. We don't really have that guy. I mean, we've talked a little bit about our young arms, but in terms of guys that are kind of nailed on, you know, it's just a matter of bringing them up and letting them do it. Or, you know, we don't have a, uh, the guy from LSU that's probably going to be ready in less than 18 months to be an ace, you know, Paul, uh, whatever, Reigns or Canes or whatever his name is. We don't, yeah, exactly. We don't have him. We don't have, you know, we've talked about Libertor. I was looking. He's made 12 starts. He's, you know, it's been been probably a C- minus at best. Uh, he's, you know, I, I, it's kind of doubtful he's an ace. Uh, never say never. But uh, so the how do teams then get pitching and get top of the rotation pitching? You know, the way teams get pitching is either through trade, but it's difficult to trade for a pitcher that you have control of for more than a year. Um, and typically, you know, I mean, teams – you know, teams know how valuable top arms are, so they ask for the world. So it feels to me in the last, you know, certainly this century, if you want a top arm and you have not developed one, uh, you have to get it through the freight free agent route. Do you do you agree with that assessment? 
Yeah, I would think that's the most likely place that you're going to find that. Less likely through the trade uh, routes and everything. Most likely it's going to be through free agency, which is probably why the Cardinals are trying to develop pitching talent. And they have, just not for our team. Well, in every, I mean, in every, you know, trading young arms is always crapshoot. We've talked a little bit about that, um, you know, and uh, just like quarterbacks in football, you know, it's, it's a cheat code to have a young top of the line, you know, potential ace if they're not there yet, but certainly a solid young pitcher. Um, is the most valuable thing in the game, right? And it's the reason uh, Shohei Otani before his injury and maybe even after his injury uh, could potentially be, you know, a $600 million player, right? Um, And, you know, and I mean, if 500 million is kind of like the floor, right? So it's just insane. The uh, biggest contract in the history of the game, prob, you know, almost certainly. Um, and, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the the unicorn that he is. But a factor is that he's relatively, and he's not that young, but he's relatively young, right? So if you have a, you know, if you have a 23-year-old starter that's a stud, then, you know, you just hold on and, you know, Take your ups and downs and, and you know, ride that guy to the playoffs or the World Series or as far as you can go. You know, you, you build a team around those guys. But we're not in that position. Our best pitcher over the last, you know, six to eight years is now 42 years old, and he's, he's you know, barely uh, making it to the end. Um, and then our second best pitcher is a 34-year-old who – uh, while solid, and I, you know, I mean, I just every time I look at his his performance this year, talking about Miles Miklas, um, I have nothing but respect for the guy. He's only done everything we've asked, and he doesn't make that much money, right? So he's you. You got to have those guys. You got to have him. Uh, and he's been, you know, he's taken the ball. I mean, he was hurt a little bit last year, I think, but for the most part, he has. Uh, you know, he's, he's racked up a good number of innings for us. So what are we going to do? Who are we going to go get? Right. And I, uh, did a little, uh, research on the free agents at the end of the season. And I'm just going to run real quick through a list of names. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about, uh, you know, guys that really kind of meet the criteria of being, you know, if 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 Miles Miklas is the baseline, and we are saying that we need two pitchers better than him, you know, demonstrably better, not guys that might be better, could be better, should be better, but guys that right now, it's not even a question; they're definitely better. Like the first name I'll throw out there, and like I said, I want to read a whole list real quick. But uh, this guy, I know we're going to have a conversation about is Aaron Nola, right? Uh, but here's a list. Clayton Kershaw, Ryu, uh, currently 
you know, just been back for like five starts after being injured all season. Uh, Martin Perez, I think is, isn't it Martin? It's Perez. Uh, Julio Urias, which, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, Wood, is it Alex Wood? Uh, Zach Greinke, another guy that's 150 years old. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, Lucas Giolito, Sonny Gray, Blake Snell, Luis Severino. I believe it's Kyle Gibson, Jordan Montgomery, James Paxton, Michael Lorenzen, Jake Odorizzi, Frankie Montes, Tommy Mowley. Uh, I think it's Mick Keller and Jack Flaherty. And there's another, you know, probably 15 or 20 that most of whom don't even rise to the level of these guys I've named. So of those names I just read off, were there any that stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, we <clears throat> we went through a little bit of this on a previous episode too, but the big ones that I'm <clears throat> looking at off that list uh, is Aaron Nola, for sure. Um, yep. Sonny Gray. Partially, I feel like he. I feel like he's just the perfect Cardinals player in terms of someone that um, performs well in the Midwest. He's kind of an understated guy, um, and he seems like the kind of um, dollar amount pitcher that the Cardinals would go for the the value for money kind of signing. Um, that would easily be a, a very high end number two that I think we could get. So that those would be the first two. I would have said Julio Arias before the whole uh, can of worms with the felony domestic violence arrest uh, all took place, and that is ongoing and everything. I don't think the Cardinals will want to uh, touch that situation at all and, and wade into those waters uh, at all. Similar to. Uh, when Trevor Bauer was available after all of that that was going on with him. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, that's all gone on. And, uh, of course, first and foremost, feel uh, most for uh, whatever victims uh, are out there uh, with that. Uh, That's always the first concern with those kinds of things. Uh, But from a baseball uh, perspective, uh, I think the Cardinals will likely pass on that. Um, those were the big agree. names. Completely agree. I just want to jump in and yeah, say yeah. that we don't. That's. I mean, we want to win, and you know, not everybody's a saint in the clubhouse, but that's beyond the pale. And Julio may find himself in a lot worse situation than how much he's going to make on his next contract. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, those are the big ones. You mentioned Blake Snell. Interesting name. I, I feel like I don't personally rate him as high as you do. I feel I know that you're you're a big fan of Blake Snell, especially with what he's been doing this year. I just feel like he's not as much of a workhorse. Maybe that's just me and uh, maybe some of my fantasy baseball background and looking for those the innings pitched uh, quality starts going for for W's uh, versus the newer analytics style of. Uh, not necessarily qualifying for a, you know, the stat quality start, but providing a otherwise quality outing. 
uh, for the team and doing the job that you need to to put your team in a good position to win, um, which I think he does a decent job of. I, I just think that I prefer if I'm going to be spending those big dollars, like you mentioned, to get those starting pitchers um, that are going to be those impact guys. I'd rather spend it on a guy like Aaron Nola who's going to consistently give you 7-plus, and I feel like Blake Snell's a little bit less likely to do that. But, yeah, those are the big names. Um, I know there were a couple others. You you went through a whole list uh, in there. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that you were going through uh, that stuck out to me, but those were the big ones. Well, here here's a couple if I could, if I could you know, Kershaw, obviously, Kershaw – is going to sign with the Dodgers regardless. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. The Dodgers will pay him until he decides he doesn't want to play anymore. I think he's 35, and uh, he uh, he signed this year a one-year deal, and I want to say he's at a, he's only at like $20 million, I believe. But, um, you know, that's because he's had some injury and been a little, you know, relative for him, a little down. But he he's been worth every penny this year. Uh, Ryu had um, Tommy John. I'm sorry, Ryu did not have Tommy John. Ryu's coming back off injury. He's finishing up a uh, a four year eighty million dollar deal. So he I can't believe his deal's almost done. It's done. It seemed like he just signed. No, he's with been the, with the Blue Toronto Jays. now for four years. The other thing is he's been in the That's league. That's crazy. He's been in the league ten years and he didn't start until he was twenty. He's thirty-six. But here's what wow. I thought about him. You know, like I said, he's had five starts. Uh you know, he's taken the ball regularly, five innings each start exactly. It's, I don't know if they're on a innings limit with him or whatever. Although I don't know why, because the chances of them keeping him, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe they've already got a, you know, a wink, wink deal behind the scenes that I'm not aware of. But, um, but he, you know, he's a guy that, you know, three years, 45 million, 37, 38, 39 seasons. I mean, with as much as he's missed, over the last six years, does he have three years left? When he was right, now I know I'm going back five years or so, maybe even further. He was elect. I I really liked him. He he was a. I, I just liked everything about him. His makeup, you know, the way he pitched. I just liked him. Uh, but maybe those days are gone. Maybe that's never coming back. But you know, you and I, like we're saying, we're saying better than Miles. And I guess with him, there's risk, absolutely. Um, and uh, you know, and can can he del- you know can he still pitch? I mean, is is he at the end of the road? Um, but when he was right, he was you know miles miles ahead of miles. No pun intended. Um, uh, Perez, you know, having a decent one good year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Granky's too old. Alex Wood doesn't doesn't float my boat. Carrasco, interesting, a little bit younger. Well, no, he's not that young either. No, that, no, he's a vet. Yeah, he's like thirty five. So it's tough. The name that we haven't really talked about, who's probably in terms of quality, probably the next guy on this list, and with maybe the highest ceiling, is Giolito. And I know you you were pretty high on him earlier in the year. 
body of work is pretty solid, you know. Uh, I, you know, does he slot in as not? I mean, yes, I agree. Uh, I mean, Aaron Nola, I think, is the best pitcher on this list, not named, you know, Clayton Kershaw or, you know, obviously we haven't talked about Otani. We don't know if he's going to pitch again. But, um, you know, Nola, we he's 30 years old. I think he just turned 31, actually. Um, but he's going to be, what, a $40 million guy probably, maybe more. I don't know. Uh, you know, certainly north of 35. Not that the Cardinals can't afford it. We've already had that conversation. But, yeah, and I think we're going to take a run at Nola. I don't think there's any doubt. And I think we're going we're gonna to talk to Blake Snell. I believe Blake Snell is solid. Um, and is, you know, like this year he's leading the league in ERA. I mean, he's, he's you know, he's, he, he's a Cy, you know, former Cy Young Award winner. So his ceiling is really high. But he's also had down seasons. He's also had seasons where he's been hurt, you know, and so on. That's kind of the nature of all starting pitching. But, you know, it's it's when you're looking at making a hundred and whatever million dollar investment, it's tough. I mean, any more, you know, are you going to go more than four years for any starter? I, I mean, it's that's tough to do. And you know, does that mean the competition steps up and says, oh, yeah, we'll give you five or six? Maybe. And we have to finish first on at least one and really two of these guys, right? We can't finish second on all of them because then we're, you know, then we're a potential last place team again next year. I think that's really going to push uh, Mo's resolve to, excuse me, I think it's really going to push Mo's resolve with his conservative approach uh, to deals and things and not overextending himself because in a way you're going to be tasked with maybe, maybe you need to overextend on one deal and then be a little bit more conservative on another to kind of make up for that, to make sure you get your guy because we have to get a guy. We, we can't just end the off season and say, well, the money just wasn't right. It just didn't fit what we were wanting to do. And, you know, that it is what it is. And we'll go into the offseason with the same five, six guys. And then we're staring at the same kind of season we had this year. And, and nobody wants that. And I don't. I certainly don't think Mo wants that for the end of his tenure as president of baseball ops. So uh, just something to think about, I think, especially going into the offseason and what he might, the way he might approach some of those um chases after those guys agree completely yeah so as i was saying on snell you know he's 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 his ceiling's high right and so but we have to get two of these guys and snell he's not going to be cheap either he's he's going to be looking for a decent deal uh i think he's 28 if i'm not mistaken um so anyway, the the reunion with Monty is a possibility, very actually not a insignificant possibility. Couple of guys with potential upside, uh Tyler Molly who um had Tommy John in May. So he should be back next uh which would suck for the Twins, but he's a free agent. So uh, he's only valued at about eight million, 
So, I mean, I, you know, we've got Matt's, we've got Miklas. We'll do, you know, in the future, we'll do a deeper dive on the entire staff. But a guy like Mally, is he of any interest? Frankie Montes, I don't know. Jake Odorizzi, I don't know. Michael Lorenzen, I don't know. Are any of those three of any interest to you? Do you have any feelings on any of them? I honestly, I don't have a lot of, um, you know, like, I don't, I, I mean, I remember when Odorizzi was good or appeared to be good. Um, I know I've heard Lorenzen's name. I remember when James Paxton was supposed to be one of the next big things. Kyle Gibson's having a great season, uh, but he's 35 mm -hmm. years old, you know. Yeah. See, all these guys, none of them are, like, really doing a ton for me. They're uh, The only way that I would want to shoot for any of those guys would be if it was going to be, you know, a guy on like really the tail end of his career that has been doing it for so long and is just such a grizzled vet that he just knows how to pitch versus these guys that have been league average-ish guys. So like Tyler Molly, he's like a four ERA career right. guy. It's like, eh, okay. I mean, we got four ERA guys. We We have those already, and we can do that for a lot less than $8 million. Yeah. So, like, I don't see a ton of value in doing that, especially in our, our club situations. There are certainly clubs that could value, though, value what he brings to the table uh, and what a lot of these guys bring to the table. But, like, somebody, if you were really looking for a, a veteran presence to really be a, a stabilizing force in the rotation, if stuff's getting out of control and you just need a guy to just go in and throw six and two-thirds with three earned runs and just kind of get everything back on track, eat up some innings, whatever the case is. You know, that's where I think, like, even uh, this was something that, like, the Pirates kind of did this year with, with taking Rich Hill. Uh, I mean, he's like 40, I believe, now. But something like that where it's like he knows how to pitch. He's not going to blow anybody away uh, with his stuff or anything like that. But I think that's better value for money than like a, a Tyler Molly that's about the same level pitcher in terms of the numbers. Maybe he has a little bit more upside in his potential because he's younger, but might command the same amount of money, but isn't going to give you that veteran presence around the rest of your guys and those kind of intangible things. Uh, or just being that stopgap in the rotation and might be more likely to uh, have some blow up games where, uh, you know, he goes like two and a third and gives up eight, eight earned versus Rich Hill, for example, giving you more consistent uh, innings or like a, a cookie Carrasco or something like that. Being the, the older steady guys, Charlie Morton, uh, something like that. So that's where I feel like I find the value in some of those more middling guys. Um, one thing that's really interesting to me is just kind of seeing how it's going to play out for Martin Perez, um, uh, because he did have that mammoth year last year, I believe it was last year, um, that he was, well, I believe a Cy Young candidate, uh, cause yeah, last year he ended up with 
and ended with a 2.89 ERA. So good, uh, but I believe he was having a much better um, beginning of the year, kind of tailed off and everything towards the end, but um, was really pitching well, and there's a lot of hype around him. Uh, I am curious to see what the market's going to, how the market's going to view him. Uh, Are they going to be so enamored by the potential of what he could be because he's done it once uh kind of the idea of tyler o'neill uh you know he's done it we've seen that he can do it we just need to get him back there versus a guy that has the potential to just get there in the first place and i'm curious to see kind of where he lands versus kind of how jack flaherty's uh, uh free agency plays out and everything because I feel like Jack Flaherty's in a somewhat similar position with his massive 2019 second half that he had that was like the one ERA um, and seeing what how teams value that. Um, I mean, he had a good year this year, I think, so that certainly bodes well for him. But um, I almost would love to see the potential of just Mo going to Jack and be like, Jack, I think you liked being here. You liked the history of of the club. He talks about Bob Gibson and what that uh, what he meant to to Jack and and kind of his presence and um, what he meant to the Cardinals. And Jack wants to kind of I, I, reading some of his interviews. It seems like he really values that and like legacy and those kinds of things for organizations. Um, and you just go into Jack Mo going to Jack and saying. All right, Jack. We know what what uh, you know the club means to you, what Bob Gibson meant to you, and what you, maybe you envisioned yourself doing here with the Cardinals. Maybe this uh, this off season you go out and you go to all the other teams and you can get yourself a decent deal. But what if you come back to the Cardinals on a one year prove it deal, reset your value, uh, and you go out and say you have you know a two five ERA. And then you go back to the market and see what you can get for a you know a six seven year deal and really cash in next off season, and I think that could be a really interesting, um, interesting scenario uh, to see what happens with Jack Flaherty and kind of comparing that with Martin Perez too. But I have a feeling what we're going to see with Flaherty is somebody's going to going to deliver a big bag. I have a feeling he's getting paid. He just had so much. Too much raw talent, and that's that's those are the guys that always get overpaid. And one thing I do want to mention about this list, Dunk, is that you know the thing that all these guys have in common uh, is they're free agents, right? I mean, and none of them, other than the ones we've kind of already talked about, you know, Nola, Gray, Snell. Um, are having, you know, outstanding seasons this year. The only reason I even mentioned, you know, I was looking at uh, the the Keller actually is Brad Keller, the Royals starter, you know, again, nothing exciting. Lorenzen is on the Phillies now because they traded for him at the deadline. And he's had uh, five really nice starts with him for the most part. Um, you know, he's averaged six. Um he had one really bad one, uh, but other than that, he's had, uh, you know, six pretty good starts. Again, this is this is the current list. So that's why I, 
you know, I threw out a few of those names. I'm with you. I mean, if we're talking bona fide, better than Miles Miklas, you're right. Tyler Molly, uh, you know, Frankie Montes, I don't even know what he's been doing. But even Kyle Gibson, who's, who Kyle Gibson is in that leading group of 2023 pitchers. I mean, he's one of the reasons that Baltimore's, you know, him and Bradish are the reason that Baltimore, you know, has, is the lead, is leading the AL this year. Um, both of those guys are, uh, are, are at least in the case of Gibson, who is a free agent. Uh, he's 35. So, do you go to a guy like that and say, hey, bro, great year. Uh, let us give you a little bit of money for one year. But, again, I, th- I have a feeling somebody's going to come in and say you're 35. You got three more good years in you. Uh, you know, Baltimore goes to the ALCS or even the World Series. And, you know, they're living off of all that. And they say, yeah, let's bring Kyle back on a two or three year deal. And they overpay him by a few million. That's why it's tough. I mean, obviously, Nola, Giolito, Gray, and Snell, that's kind of that group of four where I feel like, and Snell might not even be in that group. I don't know that the Padres necessarily retain him, but um, that group, I feel like, you know, it's a money. And seasons, and I think Giolito is probably, you know, if I had to rank them four to one, it'd probably be Giolito, Gray, Snell, Nola. You'd probably flip uh, Gray and Snell. So, I mean, there's not that big a difference between all of them. Uh, I mean, between, certainly between those two, Gray and Snell, maybe. I mean, they're just completely, they're kind of different pitchers. There's, there's one with much more variability. The other is much more solid uh, in terms of gray, but maybe not quite the ceiling. Uh, but, I mean, this is what we're looking at. And, and you know, things can change. And, you know, again, trades are always a possibility. Uh, next time we talk, I want to talk a little bit about Jordan Walker and his uh, tremendous, uh, you know, last – four or five weeks and his potential to really end the season strong. Uh, you know, he's, he's nailed on for me and I feel the same way about Nolan Gorman. I mean, I, you know, I just don't think you get rid of young studs like that. Yeah. 0% chance. I'm moving either of those guys. I don't care who you're trying to give me. Um, even for some of the top guys in the league, like these guys are going to be bona fide stars in the league. Right. They're completely different players. Uh, Gorman could be a 125 plus strikeout a year guy. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Plenty, Plenty of guys have made amazing careers striking out 120 plus times a season, you know, plenty of guys. Yep. And, um, and every good player Walker, doesn't have to be a Paul Goldschmidt. Not every guy's right. the same. Right. And with Walker, his his ceiling, I mean, I think his ceiling's just tremendous. And it's the he, moon. Uh, I mean, literally whatever he wants whatever he wants to achieve, he can achieve it with his talent that he has for sure. Yep. 
I saw him as the number three rookie in August in an article I read, uh, I believe it was yesterday. So, you know, I mean, on a team that's going nowhere, you know, uh, I guess that first baseman for the Red Sox, Karras or whatever his name is. Tristan Casas. Yeah, we'll talk about all those guys. Um, Yeah, Casas. Uh, we'll talk about all those guys as we go along, but but again, to kind of wrap up or or just uh, you know put a little bit of a bow on this uh, starting pitching conversation, it just shows how difficult it is. And you know, I didn't necessarily disagree with either the Montgomery or the Flaherty deals because we got back, you know, potentially. Uh, either average to above average major league talent, even though all of it's not, you know, in the bigs or none of it's in the bigs really yet, except for that one reliever. And he, I don't know if he's really even average. He might be right at. Um, but uh, there's, like you said, there's nothing to prevent us from signing either of them. And, uh, do they do either one of them meet the better than miles standard? I think both of them do. Montgomery probably not by a lot, uh, although this year certainly. And um, you know, Jack still has the potential. Uh, and you know, it's you never appreciate what you have until you don't have it. And, you know, watching him, uh, you know, kind of inject a little life into the Orioles rotation and kind of help some guys that were probably getting a little tired, uh, you know, feel a little strong and feel like, yeah, we can, you know, we can see this thing through and, and then really get ourselves lined up for the postseason and, and feel like we've got, you know, our starter every game in the postseason has a shot at winning. Um, that's a great position. And we've been there before. Um, so, yeah, on these, on the rest of these guys, you know, you you did a pretty good job of saying, well, show me one that's demonstrably better than Miles. And, uh, I mean, I just didn't do a good job doing that because I don't know. I mean, again, that's why a guy like Ryu is so – tantalizing to me because if he's healthy and he's even at 85% of what he, I mean, there was a time when he was a top five starter in the league. Right. But that's, that's the risk you take, especially with the position that we're in right now is if he's not healthy, then, then what are you looking at in your rotation? And do you feel comfortable with where you could be if he does get hurt. And for me, I don't, especially with the season that we're coming off of now. Um, I would I would want to bet on more durability than that. Well, well don't that's get just me, me wrong. I want the same thing. I just, I'm just saying anybody else on this list who has even, you know, yeah, like a yeah, Luis yeah, yeah. Severino. I don't think Severino's got much left, if anything, in the tank. Uh, you know, five years ago, he was a, he was a stud. Yeah. He was no, that's great. That's a great point. You know, um, but when it's done, it's done and it's done at a different, I mean, that's the other great thing about the sport. You never know. You know, you mentioned Rich Hill before. I mean, the guy's 43. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, and every year for what, the last six, eight, everybody's like, well, how much has this guy got left? Well, he had six more. You know, if, if you would have known eight years ago that Rich Hill had eight years left in him, <laughs> even if even if even if the last three or so have been pretty pretty mediocre, yeah. I mean, you you, you would have paid the guy some money and given him a you know a decent contract. Uh, you just don't know, Zach Greinke. I mean, how long ago? You know, I mean, yeah, you got to go back over a decade, but he was a top two three starter in the league, and you know now he's just an old man who's I'm sure you know I think he's I think he's already announced that he's retiring. Oh, he did announce uh, it. I'd say he's thirty-nine. Yeah, I think I think he I think he's just you know playing out the string with the Royals and enjoying his life. Um, and who knows? Maybe he's a Kansas City guy. He's a strange dude. He's always been a weird dude. He struggled with a lot of like anxiety and stuff, which was part of why he didn't do um, great with like. Uh, I mean, he did well with the Dodgers. Um, but like part of why he didn't want to stay there or go to like New York or something like that because or Philly because they were just too high, too big of media markets. I mean, this I think they yeah. he really liked being in Kansas City for that part of right. partly with that right. reason. Yeah, even in even in Arizona, I don't I don't know that he, you know, embraced you know even the Phoenix media. So yeah. Um. Yeah, so that's that's the list. At least the most the one I saw recently. There's a number of guys that I didn't mention. Uh, a few of them have team options that um, you know, based on how well they're pitching this year. I think like Alex Cobb might be an example of that. That I can't see how their team doesn't pick up the option. There's a couple of guys with with options that. Um, are at a higher rate than they're probably worth. Uh, well, then I, at least, you know, in my quick look, thought they weren't worth the option. And I, again, I don't know if they meet the standard. But if we take the four, and um, if we take Nola Giolito, and again, I don't know if I'm stretching there, probably need to do a little more deeper dive, Gray and Snell. We, you know, if I said to John Mozeliak, here's four guys, go get two of them. Uh, I, you know, is that a possibility? I mean, they're free agents, Duncan. You don't have to give up anything except money to get them. Yep. But and it's just money at the end of the day. But it is a competition. And, yeah. you know, other, other teams can also bid. Uh you know, again, I think you, I think you're spot on with your gray sentiment. I don't know if that gives the twins any kind of an inside track. If he's got a loyalty factor, you know, that yeah. their postseason, I think will tell, you know, some of that tale. Um, and then, you know, I mean, we said that trade is a possibility, but again, I don't, you know, those, those kinds of, I mean, that's, that's why they pay the president of baseball operations, the big bucks, because that's something he's got to go identify. But we we're clear and we're in complete agreement along with, I think most of Cardinal nation, we have to get a couple guys. Oh, easy. 
two. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even hate three guys. Right. Right. Make make those make those rookies and stuff fight battle it out. Make them earn it. Absolutely. No, I I completely agree. And you know we've had the luxury for a number of years now to not really be paying. You know, I mean, uh, Texas and Houston, they're like, yeah, we're trying to take a run at this. And one of those two teams could easily not make the playoffs. Yeah. It's not guaranteed. Right. Both of them said, give me the $40 million pitcher. Now, granted, they're two of the best pitchers of the last generation. But both of them said, yeah, I'll sign up for the $40-plus guy for two months so whatever that cost you i mean right there i think it's like 16 million or what you know whatever the numbers are it's ridiculous but two but, two even better examples mets and the padres they're already out of it completely oh right and they spent all that money up front yeah and and when they put them together i mean a lot of you know i'm sure there's a lot of bets in vegas that uh were you know that haven't been made official yet but they're darn close to it uh, you know, with both those teams uh, making significant postseason runs and people putting down their hard-earned money to back that, so it's time for it's time for the Dewitts and Mozeliak to you know buck up and go get a couple of guys. This is the list today of the free agents that are going to be available. Obviously, we didn't mention Otani. We didn't have a conversation about them. Trust well, and there me. There's two others too that I we didn't get into, but I want to definitely spend. Maybe we get, we can just do a whole a whole episode on these couple guys uh, in a future one. Uh, a couple Japanese postings: uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto and Shota Imanaga uh, are two interesting names to definitely keep an eye on. I'm sure there's going to be more and more information coming out over the next couple months. Uh, as we approach the the winter meetings and everything too, with them getting posted, um, but we can definitely do some deep dives on on both of them as potential options too to look at uh, for pitchers. That's a great thank you so much. We you mentioned Yamamoto last time, and I actually did see him on a list of free agents. Didn't have a value next to his name, so I don't know exactly what that would cost. Um, are really even a ballpark. And like you said, I don't, I mean, I remember him in the classic stud. Uh, I don't remember the other guy as much. What is it? Imiaga or something like that? Yeah, Shota Imanaga. Imanaga. Yeah, I mean, that's two more names to throw on the list, though, and they probably slot in. You know, certainly Yamamoto, if I'm not mistaken, I think slots in relatively highly on the list. Yeah. Um, there is a little bit of they never, you know, they've never done it in, in America, on you know, in the MLB, but that also might save you a couple bucks. On the other hand, you know, it's like the Dodgers with Lance Lynn. Because I think Lance, Lance Lynn actually, I think when the Dodgers acquired him, uh, there was a team option for 24. And so I think they acquired obviously that option as well. The Dodgers can pick that up and still go out and sign, you know, Sonny Gray and Blake Snell if they want. And 
they won't even bet. You know, they can have 10 start. I mean, this year, look at all their I mean, Dustin May. I mean, look at all the guys that, you know, they lost for the season. This, you know, we, we can't suffer that. So that's, that also helps make your point a little bit about guys with injury histories or trying to come back for major surgeries and stuff like that. Yeah. Ooh, well, good. This is getting this is getting me fired up now. Uh, talking talking about this and then looking at a couple of potential things you talked about. Wanting to talk about Jordan Walker um, in a future episode and one of, maybe one of the next ones here. Talk about a little Mason Wynn, what he's been doing since coming up. Just got his first uh, homer the other night. Um, and then yeah, a couple of these the the Japanese pitchers that are going to be um, making major league debuts next year for some team. Um, yeah, it's getting me excited. I think the the disappointment of this year, it's not wearing off, but I feel like I'm, I, I'm coming more to terms with it now at this point and getting to the stage where you can really start to get excited for next year, kind of, uh, without just being so absolutely dejected about this year. <laughs> want to finish up with uh you mentioned and of course yep just as we expected so uh real quick recap uh Wayno gives up three in the first which I can't imagine what his ERA has been in the first inning it's got to be you know double like in the 12 14 range but uh, gave up three in the first, but then the Cardinals came right back in the top of the second to tie it. Uh, but then a run in the fifth, two in the sixth, two. I'm sure Wayno was out of the game for the sixth and the seventh. Two in the sixth, two in the seventh. We lose eight five. So we got two. We took two or three. We took the first two from the Braves. That was fun. Um, take that. Yeah, I mean it's you know we're we're fighting, but you had a thought about Wayno finishing out these last twenty games, and I thought it was kind of at first I rejected it completely, but um, sitting on one ninety eight lifetime wins, and uh, you know beginning of the year what was he at one ninety five? Yeah, he's three and eleven on the season. We thought he'd get five wins. Held probably by the end of May. And here we are, you know, on September 7th, and he's still sitting at three, um, two away. You had a thought that you mentioned actually a couple weeks ago, and now that we're that much closer, share share what you were thinking on that. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, so uh, I think I just kind of like uh, just the general idea I, I touched on a little bit, I think, in one of our first couple episodes, but just the idea of baseball being a romantic sport and um, the storylines uh, that come along with it and in, in the game itself. You think about the the distance between the bases of 90 feet just being the perfect distance and the Ken Burns documentary and the way that uh, Bob Costas has talked about the game um, and kind of adds some color to those kinds of um the, the perfectness of the game and everything. And you think about um, last year with um, 
Albert and Wayno and Yachty all getting taken out of the game at the same time by Ollie and just kind of the, the symbolism that comes with that. You think about Cal Ripken Jr. running around the warning track uh, when he broke the record uh, for most consecutive games started. Or even like, you know, Derek Jeter uh, with his walk-off uh, opposite field, you know, classic Jeter um, in one of his last at-bats at Yankee, Yankee Stadium. Just like some of those storybook things with baseball, and especially in a year like this year that we have for the Cardinals where, you know, there's nothing in terms of wins and losses for the team that we're really shooting for right now. Um Really, I think similar to last year, you know, focusing on some career milestones last year was, um, you know, the the battery starts with Wayno and Yachty. And then also, of course, Albert and the home run uh, record getting to 700. So uh, I think similarly this year, looking at Wayno getting to 200 um, and focusing really more on that for the rest of this year. What an interesting idea it would be in that romantic kind of full circle idea of baseball, a good storyline. What if we, you know, took Wayno and said, you know what, you're struggling this year um, as a starter. You're really not feeling like yourself even. I don't think this is probably the way you want to go out, Wayno. What if we take you, we'll put you in the bullpen. Why don't we have you close out a couple games? You know, maybe we'll run into a win or two. Uh, that we throw you in in the 8th or ninth or something like that. Sneak you a couple wins that way, get you to 200, but also finish your career the same way that you came in. Um, uh, thinking about him in the beginning of his career, buckling Carlos Beltran um, in the NLCS in New York to get us to the World Series, striking out Brandon Inge to win the World Series. I mean, like, that, uh, those are the things that I think about with Wayno and his career. It would be such a cool a cool way for him to end his career if he can do something like that, um, even if it's just for the last three weeks of the season. Um, and if he runs into a couple extra wins and gets to 200, even better for it. But I think it would just be a really cool, interesting uh, way for him to close his career, uh, bring it full circle, uh, and you know what? Maybe he even has a little bit more success doing that. He can, you know, really rear back and get up to get up to ninety one again. We know. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe he'll get up there uh, in the bullpen and, and be able to close out a couple games. So I think it could be fun. Oh, that's that's great. I, you know, again, uh, when you first brought it up, I'm like, what's he thinking? That's insanity. But. Just the way you just laid that out is is so good because it really does bring in what it is about the sport that we all love. And it's it is the fact that, you know, we're talking 17 years ago, this October, November, whatever, I guess it was October still, um, when he did what he did in the postseason. Uh and established himself you know we knew when we made the deal uh we were getting this young stud from the braves his hometown organization and you know lo and behold 17 years later he is you know he's uncle charlie he's number 50 and 
we have loved him all the way through. He's battled back from injuries on more than one occasion. Uh, at least five years ago, it appeared as though he was done. Nobody will ever forget the game against the Nationals where, what, he give up six in the first or something crazy like that? And then we battle back and win that. I believe that was game five to uh, advance. And um, just just a whole career of beautiful um, baseball and, you know, turned out to be one of the best teammates, one of the best ambassadors, just a great guy. You know, everybody loves him. Uh, he's kind of on a little bit of, you know, he's on his tour now. This is his last trip to his hometown, you know, or his home state team. Uh, him and I believe it's Walker, if I'm not mistaken, both of them uh, Georgia natives. And yep. so they're, they're in, uh, you know, they just finished up in Atlanta. He got that start tonight on, you know, probably was kicking himself after the first. Against Max Freed, by the way, who... You know, I mean, we had three, we had them up three, nothing. So anyway, is what it is. And I love that idea. Let's, you know, in the last two weeks, could he, could he make three appearances a week? Could he make, even if you extended three weeks, could he make, you know, eight appearances over the last three weeks and, you know, try to get a, an inning or an inning and a third, even two innings? Uh, on a couple of those occasions. And like you said, if we're, you know, if we're tied after seven, uh, you know, the possibilities are there. I mean, but even so, you know, forget about the wins and the losses. It doesn't matter if he finishes at 198 or 200. Uh, he's probably a little bit shy of hall worthiness. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that, but he'll be a Cardinal Hall of Famer just as soon as they, you know, make him eligible. Um, he'll be a Cardinal legend for the rest of his life. He'll always be linked with Yachty. Um, you know, he, he will have been there at uh, Albert's height and then was here to welcome him back when he came. And countless young guys and young pitchers that have had nothing but great things to say about him. Uh, and so, you know, and one of the best curveballs in the history of the sport for, you know, a decade plus. So anyway, yeah, I love it. I love that whole attitude about it. And it's funny how, uh, we're there, you know, we're there in terms of, you know, we still, you know, we love the game. We love this season, um, for the game's sake, you know, the, the pitch clock, the rule changes, um, how that's how that's impacting the future of the sport. Uh, you know, again, we've had it really good for a really long time, and we want to get back to that. We still want that, um, but that does not diminish our love of the game, it might diminish a little bit or not a little, a lot, our love of this particular Cardinal season. But I, but I think you, uh, you came up with something really good. I, like I said, at first I, I couldn't even hear it, but uh, you convinced me, you turned me on that one and I give you a uh, big props for that. 
That's hard to do. I'll take that as a badge of honor to, to change your mind in some way, shape, or form. Well, old dogs, you know. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, listen, this was great. Uh, I think we got everything settled for now. Let's uh, reconvene here in the next week or so and uh, see what the rest of the season has in store. Sounds good. All right. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Duncan. Have a good one.